It is Tuesday, February 5th. Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. Uh, my name is Brent Smith, and I am joined by Daniel Yelverton and Michael Miller. Hey guys, what's going on? Nothing. <laughs> not, at all. not a whole lot hanging out. <laughs> yeah. You're seeing it, Brent. This is it. <laughs> Having more in-depth pre-show conversations, right? <laughs> Seriously. You know, I'm telling you, we need to record these things. We can get into some really, you know, awesome stuff. We're like, man, why, what are we... It's Brent's fault that we're not recording this. I blame Brent. Oh, gosh. Blame's got to go somewhere, right? That's right. Well, maybe when we get the studio redone, we can maybe start to do a Facebook Live beforehand or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but guys, we are on Mark 3 today in our reading. That is today's chapter of the day, and every time I hear it, I think about an Iron Man suit <laughs> for some reason. Oh, like the Mach 3? Yeah. Yeah, Mark 3, Mach 3. Mach, yeah. Mach 3. Yeah. yeah. It's dumb, I know, but... <laughs> I, I used to listen to James Earl Jones uh, reads the Bible in like King James Version, and that, that's a, when you say that, it reminds me of that, just like Matthew chapter 6, and I'm like, man, Vader's reading this thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a strange choice to read the Bible. Like the source of pure evil in the universe, maybe at the time. But the thing is, is like they have they have like this pleasant background music, like like all these oh, yeah, you know, yeah. audio Bibles. Do. I'm like, man, you all you need to get John Williams in there and do the Star Wars stuff when he's talking about all this tough stuff, you know, and when he's talking like this, he's like, come on, dun 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 dun, dun. You know, come on. <laughs> so I'm pretty good with voice recognition, like when I hear it, matching it with who it is, pretty mm-hmm. immediately. And I swear, the voice that reads on the Bible. App, not Dwell that we use, but the one... Um, U-Version? U-Version. I swear it's the same dude that did some crime shows from back in the 90s. <laughs> I swear. And all I can imagine is like him talking about like the autops- autopsy of John Doe and all this stuff. I'm like, that's not... I can't connect. It's hard because it definitely does not sound like a voice that should be reading the Bible to me. It just sounds well, the, dark the, and weird. The guy that read, that does the Bible project, that guy, you have to get used to him because when I first started listening to the Bible project... It was um, distracting to me because he has like this Valley Girl kind of thing going on. I'm like, come on, dude! I, I, I'm so he distracted. Does a little bit. He does, yeah. <laughs> Still a great source. Yeah, absolutely. It, no joke, man. Yeah, those guys are—they go beast mode. I mean, it's really good stuff. <laughs> so uh, we have moved on out of Matthew into Mark. So, um, do we have any context that we need to put in this before we get into our reading for the day? Man, there's a <laughs> there's a ton, but um, I think the 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 shortest thing I can say is. Mark was like a disciple of Peter, and uh, likely that's where he got his source. He probably talked to Peter and kind of got a story straight, right? And um, Mark's an interesting thing. It's the shortest gospel. Um, it, it it ends abruptly, depending on your your tra- the the translation that you have, which is interesting. It kind of like makes you think about things the way that it ends. We'll get there later. But um, another thing is, uh, man. This whole idea of having the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what came first? And there's lots of people, a lot of the theologians that argue this stuff, that some think that Mark came first and that the others used Mark. Others think there's this thing called the Q, and we're not talking Star Trek, hmm. uh, that, that they used, and, and Mark had something to do with that. Some people think that Mark was written last, and it was more of like of a... Um, like a Cliff Notes version of the Gospels, hmm. so it's it, that's a fun thing off to the side to study to figure out you know what came first and, and who wrote what and how that all came to be, but but Mark's an interesting one. He starts off in chapter one saying, like <laughs> straight up the chap the first verse is like uh, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He st- states his opinion up front. Jesus is the Son of God, guys. Yeah, yeah. So, and 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 what he really does is he spends the rest of his time kind of proving that verse, showing who Jesus is. Hmm. And it also doesn't really talk a lot about the birth of Jesus in Mark. I mean, it goes straight to um, John the Baptist, and then you know, baptism of Jesus. Uh, another thing about um, Mark is just to well, I guess whenever we read any of the Gospels, is that there's going to be some some variance in in the Gospels, not on the core content, but like a little bit of like shift in perspective, and that's just because there's different authors. You know, Luke would have written something down just because he saw something in particular that stuck out to him, whether Mark uh, through Peter, if, whether he was like an interpreter for Peter, and then so Peter saw a different perspective, and so he wrote something down. Same thing with Matthew. They're still, and John, they're all they're all coming from different perspectives. And so... They have different even, purposes, different yeah. reasons why they're writing, and so what they're going to do is they're going to write their, their gospel to kind of prove whatever point they're trying to prove, and to write to their audience. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so if there's any... 
differences because we've already just come from Matthew. If you see in little differences from here and there, there's like you can see a lot of correlating stories. A lot of times you'll see if you have a study Bible, it'll like say this story is also seen in this gospel, and it'll give you like the reference and things like that. And that's it's totally fine, it's, especially if there's a little bit of a difference. Be just because when you write something down, I might see something differently than Brent, and Brent will write yeah. something down, even though we see the same event, we may record it differently based on our perspective. Yeah, and something something real quick to note that's really important is we tend to people that are really skeptical. In my mind, is, we were as you guys are noticing, like with our pre podcast talk, <laughs> my mind is skeptical. I, I I think of things like that, but something that I have to be careful to do, and I think that you know even our listeners that we have to be careful is is to not just think of the things to be skeptical of, not just to think of the differences. Look at what we actually have. Mm-hmm. We have these three synoptic gospels, and then we have John. But think of all the similarities, and 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 there are gospels that aren't included in the Bible, and they all, even those that that they may have more differences, but they pretty much tell this this very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That they they tell the same story, mm-hmm. and I think that we should be looking at the similarities and and realizing, guys, this stuff actually happened. Yeah. Like even if you're not a Christian and if you just look at these as just just letters or just, you know, you know narratives that people wrote, when you start seeing how many people wrote the same story and how many witnesses saw these events, it's hard to deny that Jesus existed and that Jesus died on a cross and that Jesus rose from the dead. I think we should focus on some of those things that that are so true and and so proven by what we read because that's how we prove things in history Mm -hmm. we look at what i mean even if it's not you know theological it's not spiritual like how do we know that constantine was an emperor in the in the you know fourth century or whatever we know because of what was written we also know that jesus is who he says he is by what was written if it wasn't for the miraculous nature of this stuff the way we vet history, this stuff would be considered fact. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Have you, I'm sure you guys have, but have you read the book, The Case for Christ? Yes. Lee yeah. Strobel? Yeah. 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 Like that, you know, I have a skeptical mind at times too. So reading that book, there were some chapters where I was like, yeah, but, but man, when it talked about how historical knowledge is passed down, how word of mouth, how long it takes for those kinds of things to change mm-hmm. and morph and how hard it is to taint those things and... Like, it's undeniable that yeah. what we're reading in the Bible is true. Well, the the hope is that, I would say from people that don't want Jesus to, at least not to, I don't think any, anybody denies that Jesus existed, but the miraculous nature, the right. resurrection, different things like that, the hope that they would, uh, that there would be some sort of, this would be a legend, you know? Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is that you can't, do a legend when first I when eyewitnesses are still alive. Yes, you right, can't yes. create a legend because it will immediately be refuted. I mean, or you just think of the fact that all the Pharisees had to do to, to just kill this movement was to show the body. Right. <laughs> Find yeah. the body and then you're there, you know? Yeah. And so, and I think that it, I want, uh, this is, this will, we'll get touched on this in a second, but this is a very good practice in general. Allow uh, the entirety of what we have in front of us, especially scriptures, to inform yourself about what you're reading. All right. So, because we're going to go to come across something that's going to be pretty controversial, but allow sure. the, don't take the single scripture and then build your whole theology around it. Right. Build your whole the theology. The Bible isn't a bunch of memes. Yeah. Yeah. It's very <laughs> Seriously. True. Yeah. It's not. And so, yeah. like, to like, let it, let the whole, the, let the entirety of scripture, the work of the Holy Spirit through all of the apostles and through uh, through the letters of Paul and through the eyewitness accounts of Jesus, let that inform you on what it comes to how your theology is built, how our faith is built. It's built on the resurrection, and so I think that when we come, when you come across scriptures that are really challenging to read, allow other scriptures to inform where there may be holes in either your uh, our wisdom and our thought process or whatever it may be. Yep, absolutely. All right, sounds good. All right, here is Mark 3 from the Dwell app. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. They watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life, or to kill. But they were silent, and he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, 
and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea, and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul. And by the prince of demons he casts out the demons. He called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then, indeed, he may plunder his house. Truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, He has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Mark 3 from the Dwell app. Yeah. Check it out. Um, So, yeah, there's a ton of stuff in there. Uh, Like you guys said, some controversial stuff, some deep stuff. Uh, what do you guys want to touch on first? Well, the first thing I, I, first thing I want to talk about is the first thing, <laughs> the, uh, the man with the withered hand. So you see Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. Oh, no. Right. Right. That was a no-no. Mm-hmm. You don't do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing that I, I, I like to, I'm sorry, I jump into application too quick, but I think that that's what I'm about right now, man, is applying <laughs> this stuff. That just kills me, though. Like, I could heal you today, but I'm going to have to wait till tomorrow. Yes. You're going to have to wait till tomorrow because, yeah, you know, somebody said so. And so, and so like, okay, <laughs> Jesus was breaking what, what they considered the rules. 
And here's the thing. Help people. (laughs) Right. Jesus, basically, Jesus, this, I love this about Jesus. This shows me a little bit about who he is, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Jesus' thought was, are you people insane? This dude needs his hand withered, and you're going to give me a technicality by why I can't be good to someone? Right. So, like, you know, and today, people will make up a bunch of rules. You can't go to that person's house. He's a drunk. Mm-hmm. You know, what? Yeah, the technicalities. Well, I mean, well, if he's if he has beer in his house, you can't. I mean, you can't be caught with a beer, you know, or people with tattoos. Hey, you know, what are you talking about, Daniel? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. No, yeah. <laughs> what are you trying to say, buddy? Smoke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, but, well, you, but you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. we we need to be good to people, and we need to help people, and stop you know judging each other over technicalities. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, even like he. <laughs> Jesus even says that the Lord works on the Sabbath. And the chapter before, you can see that there's this constant challenge going on between uh, Jesus and the Pharisees when it comes to the Sabbath, right? They've just got it completely wrong. And the the crazy thing is, if you look at it, and none of this is in the scriptures, but if you go back and kind of see how the Pharisees did, they, they had like a list of rules that were Sabbath, like eligible rules. Oh, like yeah. here were like, like all the things you could do in the Sabbath. And that's why some of them had like multiple homes because they couldn't travel a certain distance in the Sabbath. And so they had to go from like, they had to make sure <laughs> one was a certain distance from the other. So they could like, it was, it's crazy the things that they would do. And and so the, what he says at the very end is really amazing. Uh, it's when his disciples are like plucking grain out of the grain fields. This is in the previous chapter, right at the end of the chapter. He says, he asked them a question or, uh, you know, or sorry, not asking, but he gives him a statement, and he says that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is even Lord of the Sabbath. And and I think that we will take the commands that God has given us and we'll think that they're for God, when technically all the things that God gives us are for us. All of the commands that he gives us is for, is for us, for our benefit, for us to have great horizontal relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why Jesus said that, you know, you the he basically gave us a platinum rule, which is say to love others the way that I've loved you or, you know, to love the Lord, your God and love your neighbors yourself. Everything kind of falls under this. Yeah. Right. And so the, the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And you take that principle and you almost apply it to just all of the, the things that God gives us. Because I think we can look at God's commands and we can just think of them as being restrictive and mm-hmm. that we've got to follow these things or God's unhappy with us. And really what God did is he gave us these things so that we would live an, an abundant life, a life that that he knows that we were built for and made for, right? And so we get it backwards though, because we want we think that the commands are what we do to get closer to God, yes. when really the commands are just to here they're here to help us. Yeah. He's like a and father. To guide us. Yeah, he's like a father. When I <laughs> when I say to to Christian and Noah when we're in a parking lot, hold my hand, or at least they're getting older, so I'm like, follow me, stay right behind me, mm-hmm. right? When when I when I say those kinds of things um, to to them, they're like, why? Yeah. You know, they yeah. get upset with me, mm-hmm. just like we get upset with God. Why do I got to do this? And the reason why I'm telling them exactly what I want them to do is I don't want them to get hit by a car. Yeah. Like I'm doing the I make these rules for my kids for my kids. Like what you're saying, the rules are not for me. I'm not making them hold my hand walking across a parking lot because I just love holding their hands. Yeah. yeah exactly. It's because it's because it's what's good for them. Yeah. Well, it gives me a different perspective. Like we make a lot of movie references on here. We just watched one as a family the other night and now I'm looking at it like, holy cow, that was like the Pharisees. So have you guys seen Smallfoot? Have you seen that movie yet? No, I haven't seen it yet. It's really good. I recommend it. Uh, We watched it as a family the other night, and it was really good. But the whole idea is that these yetis, it starts out, you know, our big deal is that our monster is the Bigfoot. Well, there's the Smallfoot. It's this mythical creature they've never seen or heard of or whatever. And so they're this community of yetis that live on this mountaintop, and it's surrounded by clouds, so they can't see below it to realize that there's a whole world down there, you know? And... So they live by these rules that are completely just, you know, they're, they're so stuck in these rules that they can't. So they think that they have to, one guy has to be slung out of a slingshot every day and ring a gong across the way with his head or else the sun won't come up. <laughs> and they even talk about their cousin so-and-so that they don't speak of because he came up with the idea with a mallet one time and everybody was like, you're stupid. You don't use a mallet to bring a gong. You use your head. That's the only way to do it, you know? No. And this, the main character's dad is like the main gong ringer, and his head's flat on top, and he's like three <laughs> feet shorter than everybody else because he does it every day for decades, you know? Like, 
They just can't get out of their own head. to see this movie. That's awesome. <laughs> they just can't get out of these rules, you know? They're so yeah. stuck in the rules that they see things that might work better or whatever or might make more sense, and they just cannot step outside of those rules. So one day, there's a plane crash, and he's out by himself, this main character, and he sees a small foot, and he goes to tell the community about it, and they're like, no, you didn't. He's like, but I did. I swear I saw it with my own eyes. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. So they like they shame him and they kick him out of the community, and he's banished from the community. So he goes and finds one and brings one back, oh. and they're like, "No, it's not. That's Wait, not." And he's sorry, like, guys, "I have it right spoiler here." Spoiler alert! Of you. Yeah. I know. It's no, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, this is barely into the movie, but <laughs> okay, he's yeah. like, "I have one for you. It's right here." That's not no. That's a yak. That's that's a yak. Like they just cannot get outside of it. Now I'm thinking about the Pharisees. It's like they they used these rules and they took them so strictly mm-hmm. that they made themselves not function in, in the best way that they can because they found a way to make these rules and take them the end all be all yeah. of everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think what's really awesome is that you can simplify the way God wants us to be by two commandments or one commandment from Jesus. Yeah. You know, and they had so many laws, so many different things that they had to do. And I think that that's, that's very unique if you think about it from a religious perspective because most religions have multiple laws and multiple things that kind of inhibit the, your ability to do things or kind of confine you into a different area. Or really what they do is they kind of elevate the people that are the lawgivers or the ones that can interpret sure. the law. And that's, there's like a power thing that happens there. But with God's kingdom, it's totally different. You know, the ones, the one that wants to be the greatest has to be the least. Mm-hmm. And the simplification of everything is to love everyone. It's to love everyone and to love God. Agreed. You know, and that's, and that's it. And that's the whole, that's that what encompasses all the commands. And then there's the, everything that kind of builds off of that. Uh, but I just think that that's, it's amazing to me that we can, and we even do it now. I mean, we can do that in our North American church. We can overcomplicate uh, really what we're called to be as Christ followers. Yeah. Hey, by the way, um, you, you mentioned as a North American church, we were talking about this um, at last time we recorded our podcast. We have some listeners from all over the place, and uh, you guys are awesome. Like, it, it really, I, I have to admit, it really brought me joy to see that, that we have some folks from all over, and, and, and it just, I can't tell you how, just how happy that makes me, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's, that is awesome. But anyway, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we were look. Daniel or Michael was talking after our episode last week. We were talking, um, and we went through uh, the, the host site that we use for this podcast. You can look at your statistics right. and see. And we, I mean, we have people from all over the world that listen to this podcast. As small as we feel like it is, and we're you know Elevation Community Church in Blanchester. We have people in France and Indonesia and China and like. All over, literally all over the world. Netherlands, yeah. yeah, Amsterdam. We had like seventy-two listings in the last six months in Amsterdam or something wow. like that. So, right. so wh- whoever yeah. is out Hello, there in Amsterdam, Amsterdam, we love you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, you can understand us. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. It makes us so happy that that this is reaching people and that um, the kingdom is growing. And hopefully, you guys are, are enjoying this. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of, hey, how about this, Brent? Ready? Speaking of great crowds. Great crowds followed Jesus. That's called that's called a segue. <laughs> that is quite the. It's a terrible segue. But but uh, no, for real. Looking at this thing, one thing that stood out to me between verses seven and twelve, where, where the the crowd follows Jesus, is I see like verse nine, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. And then I look down at at verse twelve, and he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And I look at those and I'm like, again, I'm looking at who Jesus is here. Now, we've seen in, in other accounts where there's a crowd that's about to just push Jesus off a cliff. And mm-hmm. he kind of miraculously moves out of the way. Do you think for a second at this point when it's not time for him to die that he was actually affair, afraid of them physically crushing him? No, I, I take it more as <clears throat> they're going to come and crowd around me and I'm not going to be able to, you know be as effective or whatever. I mean, he's Jesus, so he could still be effective, but I just felt like mm-hmm. I take it more as that. Like, So I'm looking at who I think Jesus is, and I might be wrong here, okay, but this is just a thought. We see several times where Jesus goes off on a boat mm-hmm. by himself, or he goes up into a mountain to pray. And, and I get it that we want to have alone time with God, and so I understand that response, but we see Jesus going off alone 
several times. And, and here, I don't think he's afraid of being physically crushed. Mm-hmm. I think the point is, guys, get a boat ready because I got to go. Yeah. Like, in human flesh, I think people exhausted Jesus. I think Jesus may have been oh, yeah. a bit like a lot. I see a lot of leaders, a lot of pastors, except for Daniel, that are that are introverted, <laughs> right? We see oh, a lot yeah, of intro. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of intro. Like, and it's a weird thing that God tends to call introverts to do great things where they're speaking to hundreds or thousands. Yeah. But I think Jesus may have been, and I might be wrong, but from what I see in the Gospels, I think he may have been introverted. That he's he speaks to great crowds, but he just needed time to just re-energize. And I think yeah. this might be. And, the, and then, like he tells them, you know, <laughs> don't tell everybody. Don't make this known. And it, it, part of it might have been that it, w- it wasn't time for that. But I wonder if it's just he needed to to speak to the crowds he spoke to, but not be overwhelmed by people, you mm-hmm. know? And I don't know, but I just I just wonder. I'm just I guess right now as we're going through the gospels, one of the things that we're focusing here on ECC is to get to know Jesus better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, to really look into who God is in in human flesh as Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh and I and I've been wondering, I wonder if he's extroverted, I wonder if he's introverted, and I see these things and I wonder. Yeah. I see. I, I love that you're talking about this because this is kind of sparking my imagination a little bit too. Because I think one thing that, um, one thing that I think it's in, in uh, Colossians chapter one, it talks about uh, Jesus being the firstborn of all creation. And what they mean by that firstborn is they mean he's more of like the prototype of what all creation is supposed to look like. And so, and I think we can we can see Jesus doing ministry stuff and being around people so often. And I think that is very intimidating for the people that are introverted. They may think I'm not a, I'm a lesser Christian sure. because I'm not able to do all of these things that I see that are outwardly Christian, that are outwardly like going and evangelizing. And when and we can even take even just introvert extrovert out of the picture and think of people that have the gift of evangelism. And we think, man, like they're telling people about Jesus every single day, and I'm just like. I'm not there right now. That's not my gifting. And and I think Jesus is is everything all at once. He's fully God and he's fully man. And so and I think that God, Jesus being the represent representative for mankind of what mankind's supposed to look like, I feel like he is both. He's both introverted and extroverted. I don't think he's either. In uh, in, in that he shows that following Jesus uh, in and following in his footsteps is something that we can all do as humanity. And so it, and even studies show that that half of Jesus's ministry was alone either by himself or with his disciples, right. you know, and that he wasn't out doing this. Like we see like all the outward ministry because a lot of that, that's what we get recorded. And we get like one sentence that says, and then he withdrew from his disciples or he went to a mountain to pray or, you know, he set his disciples aside and he did this. And so like, you see like one sentence and you're like, okay, that's just like a footnote in it. And then you, then he goes on to like, you know, feeding 5,000 people. And you're like, oh my gosh, you yeah. know, I've got to be out and I've got to be doing things. And that's not necessarily either the giftings or the personality that we're supposed to have that God has gifted us with. And so I think that, like you said, Michael, this is great because that means for the introvert, following Jesus is not supposed to always be the way we see extroverts follow Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know? And and so that's, I think, really important for us to understand because we can just either become jealous, jealous of other people's you know, way they walk with Jesus as far as if it's an extroverted nature or high in evangelism, or or we can feel guilty. We can feel guilty about, you know, our walk with Christ. And uh, me and my wife, Lainey, we have a conversation sometimes because some t- she struggles with energy. And a lot of times she feels like she is a lesser of a, of a Christian or a lesser of a believer because of the fact that she's not able to do certain things. There's times where she just can't mentally sit down and read the Bible because she's just so fatigued and so exhausted. And, and so there's, it's easy for her to condemn herself because of that. And, and I think what's encouraging here is that Jesus is, I don't think, I don't, and I don't think that any part of following Jesus has to do with condemnation, but I think we can have a picture in our mind of what it's exactly supposed to be like. And then we can then, you know, breeze over scripture like this, where we see Jesus kind of pulling away. Yeah, Yeah. he rested. And, And I think that's really important because the body is made up of introverts and extroverts, you know, and... And we need both. We need the ones that are going to f- pull back and that are going to be more introspective. We need the ones that are going to be more about, like, developing and de- do different things like that. I've, I've talked to Brent before about uh, people in different giftings, and you can break it down to not only introverts and extroverts, but also pioneers and developers. There's people that are very much the ones that want to go, and they want to de- yeah. they want to they want they want to come up with new ideas, and they want to tackle new things, and they want to 
They want to take the kingdom, uh, the gospel, you know, take the gospel everywhere. But if you don't have people that will stay and develop the new believers and stay and develop the new territory that you take, you're just going to constantly lose that territory. And so I think that the body is composed of so many different personality types, uh, giftings and different things like that, and it functions well when it's together. And so the whole body doesn't need to be an I. The whole body doesn't need to be extrovert. To follow Jesus, you don't have to be an extrovert. You can still be introverted and follow Jesus exactly the way you were meant to and built to be. You know, and with that thought, you know, that that leads me to after they talk about the disciples and like who they are. We've already had that description. We talked about that in Matthew. But at the end of that, you know, Daniel's talking about, you know, introverts, extroverts, what your expectations are. Jesus tends to subvert expectations. And we see that here in verse uh, 20. He says, (laughs) then he went home. And the crowd gathered again that they so they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, <laughs> they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. <laughs> okay, so like look, there are times when people expect you to be a certain thing. But when you're following Jesus, sometimes those expectations uh don't fit, you know, <laughs> they don't work. You know, sometimes people are gonna think you're crazy because you're following Jesus. Mm-hmm. So don't worry about the world's expectations. If the world thinks that you have to be extroverted, or Christians think that you have to be extroverted, you got to be the, I'm going to knock on doors and I'm going to save the world. Maybe that's not what Jesus called you to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, what, one of the things that when people ask that age-old question, you know, what is the, the meaning of life? What I tell people, because I, I like to be a wise guy, <laughs> is the, the answer to that, to that question is the question. And what I mean by that is you finding your purpose, you finding your meaning, you finding what God has for you, that's why you're here. Yeah. That's why we're here. Yeah. That's, so, why I, that's why I constantly talk on here about people uh, living as close to the Spirit as possible, because yeah. if you're seeking the Spirit in everything you do, your journey's not going to look like other people's, and you're going to be yes. okay with that. Yeah. And, and it's just, I know we're not talking about spiritual gifts right now, but... Like another personal example for me. Sure, we are. Is, I mean, we are. I mean, it's not like in the scriptures. We not are like now, like in like yeah, like First Corinthians chapter twelve or something like that. So, but I think that uh, what's really like my brother, for example, my brother is um, he's he's more introverted, but he's like high evangelism. Like, I mean, he is like he he'll just go tell people about Jesus at a random like beach and just walk out and say like I just want to go tell people about Jesus the whole time like all while we're at the beach and I'm like I want to just kind of like hang out and go like surfing or something like that you know yeah. but but that's that's my brother and that's awesome however like my my bend is a little bit different I love that I get the chance to sit down and 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 talk to people and walk with people when it comes to their their faith walk and what other things are struggling with and so we may have different giftings. We may have different kind of uh, ways that God has gifted us and, and will use us in the body. I, I tend to think of myself more as a developer. Uh, I like to pour into people because I want to see them grow and I want to see them follow Jesus. And I want to see them reach the potential of Christ because that's what, you know, I go off Ephesians 4 for that. But my brother, he's so much, you know, he does he does long to see that too, but his natural gifting is more of evangelism, whereas that's not, not my natural gifting. Now, I still do that, but I will always kind of pull back towards that development side of people where you yeah. get a chance to pour into people. And, and I guess the point that I'm trying to say here is that neither of those are wrong and neither of those are greater than the other, that they're both essential. They're in the body of Christ. And, and that's why I think that it's really important for us to recognize as we discover Jesus is that he had a lot of qualities that we can identify with. And so cling to those qualities, follow him and mimic him in the process, allow him to stretch you and grow you in the process as you go to look like Jesus, not necessarily like what you think a Christian should look like. Right. Look like Jesus and you won't get it wrong. Yeah. And um, we'll have to move pretty quickly here. We're running out of time now, but... Um, I wanted to take it back a little bit real quick and just reiterate to people, reiterate to people, I guess, um, where you were talking about Jesus. Why did they, you know, why did he call for a boat? Each one of us had a different take on that. And that, to me, goes right back to where we were talking about the gospel is coming from people that were right there together, but that had yeah. different perspectives yeah. on things. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good example of how that happens. So anyway, um, I just I wanted to point that out. But we still uh, have to get to the 12 apostles, uh, <coughs> blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, and 
Jesus is mother. Yeah, we cherry picked the easy so stuff. We're we like, really oh, did. Hey, here's all the good stuff. We love you guys. You're all you're extrovert, introvert. You're fine. Oh, Let's talk blasphemy about the blasphemy. Then. Yeah, because we right. only have about ten minutes left. So what do you guys want to hit? Let's uh, talk blasphemy. All right, you let's know? do it, man. Let's go. Let's go with the blasphemy, though. <laughs> let's talk about blasphemy, or yeah, let's yeah. just talk. Let's blasphemy. not do blasphemy, Brent. <laughs> yeah. No. So okay, good. So when We're you look at this down. thing in context, so because like you said earlier, Daniel, we got we got to stop meme Christianity, where you just get a verse and you get a picture in your mind. And you're like, bam! This is what the Bible says. This is it. We got to look at what the Bible actually says by putting it in literary context. So. Mm-hmm. If you look at what's happening, that's a in lot this, of work. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but when you look at happen, what's happening, they're like he's possessed by Beelzebub, or however you say that word, right? Yeah. Like you know, he's a demon, right? So they're telling Jesus that they think that he's a demon. I don't know about you guys, but I think that's bad. <laughs> you know, you probably shouldn't tell Jesus that I'm you think he's notes a right demon. Now, Michael, yeah, write that down, <laughs> everybody. Calling <laughs> Jesus a is demon bad. is bad. Period. <laughs> That's, that's a pretty simple thing. So then he goes on this thing about you know, a house divided and about like, look, dude, I'm not a demon. You know, I'm healing people. I'm doing good things. Demons don't do these good things. This, you know, and, and so then he ends up with, you know, but truly I say to you in verse 28, all sins will be forgiven of the children of man and whoever blasphemes they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. So the context of this blasphemy talk is people were saying that Jesus was a demon. Mm-hmm. And he's he basically is saying, y'all can't do that. Mm-hmm. Either you believe that Jesus is Jesus or you, or you don't. Look, if you, uh, this is, maybe this is controversial, but I truly believe that Jesus is the way the truth and the life and that no one can come to the father but through him mm. and i think that's what this is basically saying if you don't believe that jesus is jesus you don't believe that he's god then then you're not saved yeah you can't be you can't be forgiven if if you never accept jesus so i think that's the point the blasphemy is is saying that Jesus is something other than what he is exactly and that's exactly what blasphemy is blasphemy is 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 proclaiming something that's not true Basically, I mean, when people would say blasphemy, whenever like you see it, like in the Old Testament, different things like that, and I think you see it also when uh, uh, Stephen, uh, when he's given kind of thing, and they're just all angry at him, and and even they said that Jesus, when he was crucified, the the crime that he committed was blasphemy, mm-hmm. uh, and so, and that's just basically misrepresenting and lying about God. And so, so if you misrepresent or lie about who the Holy Spirit is and who Jesus is, then you're right. I mean. He, if he is, he is the way. And if you say that he's not the way, that's, you you can't come back from that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is the opportunity that we have in this lifetime to say and acknowledge that Jesus is the way and profess that. And then also proclaim that with our life. Yeah. Amen, brother. I Preach like, it. I feel like we made that a lot simpler than it turns out to be, right? You know, yeah. I remember it's like, oh my gosh, this one's going to be really hard. It's like, well, it's kind of what it is. Well, it, really, Daniel, it's just that we're so good, you know, when, you're, when you're as good as we are. Yeah. We're it's so just, humble. It's just crazy to me that they they see Jesus with their own eyes. I would love to have been there and seen this stuff. They see the miracles he's working, they th- they, the Pharisees. They see the things that he's doing, and they are still so adamant that everything he says and does is blasphemy that they want to not just kill him for it but destroy him for it i'm not surprised a bit you know why two words look them up confirmation bias Mm -hmm. if you believe something and then you will take what you see and and you will find some kind of evidence to support what you already believe right and we do it too oh yeah absolutely So I think, and I see that a lot politically, and I'm not going to get into which side does what, because I think both sides really jack things up. Yeah. But like, that's what we do. We see something happen, and, and, and what we, and we make that narrative fit what we already believe. Exactly. So I see it every day here, sure. and I'm not surprised that they did it then. Yeah, I, I'm not either. It just blows my mind at the fact that they're seeing literal miracles happen, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know the work of God being done through him. Um, you know, it, it's a little harder to deny that in the moment when you're seeing something supernatural happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I get that. But it's, it, you know, it makes it make more sense to how they could be so upset and be claiming blasphemy on him for saying these things about God and saying he is the son of God yeah. when mm-hmm. they 
are doing everything they can to believe the exact opposite of that. So I want to segue to the next thing because we're great at segues here is you talked about different <laughs> like like political parties and how there's uh, it can be very divisive, especially in our country right now. And if you're listening from a different country, I'm sure there's probably division just because that people tend to bring division wherever they go. Uh, but uh, you have at the very end here, you have Jesus, mother and brothers, and they they tell him to like come outside. And he answers him, who are my who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he looks around at all of his people that are around him and he says those who. Uh, my mother, my brother are those who do the will of God. And I think that's, that is crazy when you think about it. We have to rework the way that we see our, not only our families, but the way that we view everybody else. Mm -hmm. Jesus is basically saying that I'm building a new type of family Mm -hmm. that supersedes blood family and that is inclusive to every single person. And I think that is huge. Like we we could breeze over that, but that means that if you disagree with somebody politically and they are a follower of Jesus, they are your brother, sister, mother, father, whatever it is. They are your family. Yeah. Whereas like we will tend to put other things greater than the family of God. We will tend to put blood relationship greater than the family of God. We'll put political party. We'll put, you know, socioeconomic status above the family of God. Mm -hmm. And we will totally lose sight of what Jesus is saying here. And Jesus is saying we need to rework the entire way that we view humanity that we are need to include. And this kind of goes with the whole thing of even about like we, we said earlier about tattoos and different things like that. Why are you digging on my tattoos? Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying that they're, I don't even know you have tattoos, but that's fantastic. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. So I know. Uh, but, you know, I was expecting maybe you get to get like some teardrop tattoos off your Well, eyes I haven't killed like anybody, that. so I can't do that. Okay, okay, sorry. That's against the rules. Yeah, all right. <laughs> the tattoo rules. Uh, <laughs> Pharisees run that too. Anyways, yes. but... Uh, <laughs> But that's huge. Like We need to rework the way we view humanity because of Jesus. Jesus is commanding us that our brothers and sisters are people that follow Jesus no matter what their race is, no matter what their economic status is, no matter what their political party is, no matter where they live, what they've done, what's on their body, what past choices they've made, what things they struggle with now. If they identify as a follower of Jesus, they are our family. And that is a big deal. That is a huge deal. And we tend to we tend to isolate ourselves with people that we know that that we can kind of agree with. And so you'll probably notice that sometimes even on Facebook is that you'll probably only be friends with people that you agree with in different <laughs> different platforms. Oh. You know. But mm. most people will. Most people will try to follow you know, or hang around people that they're with. I'm friends with everybody who hates me. <laughs> and that's but the, And I'm, I'm a nice guy, you know? <laughs> it's crazy. But that's important, like, like, and that's why Jesus was able to do the things like where he ate dinner with tax collectors and prostitutes and other sinners. It's because he viewed people completely differently. You know, nothing is more sacred than the person next to you. And, and I think we can really get those things out of balance. And so I, I feel like there's a huge challenge, especially uh, with the division in our country, or like I said, if you're listening from a different country, to view people completely differently through the lens of the family of God and not by other reasons that should supersede everything and then the and, and that should inform you on how you view everybody else below the the family of god's yeah. status yeah. you now, want world peace that's how to get it <laughs> now now daniel i i agree with you and i'm not arguing against you but something that you mentioned earlier is about the about literary context about reading above and reading you know seeing the whole picture remember that they just said that when he went home and the crowd gathered again, they, they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him. <laughs> For they were saying, he is out of his mind. Right? So, and then he's got these people people calling him a demon. It may have been his family. You know, maybe a combination of family and Pharisees. I don't know. But people are saying some pretty crazy things about Jesus. So the family's trying to seize him. And his basic response is, who are my mother and my brothers? Like, I get what you're saying, the the, the encouragement that we can see, but I think some of this may have been just a real situation. I mean, imagine you're Jesus. Okay, don't imagine you're Jesus. That's really weird. But like, you know, imagine you're in a situation where people are calling you a demon. Your family are saying you're crazy and they want to physically take you in because they think you need help, right? And your response is, you're not, basically, you're not my family. These people are my family. So I can understand there could be a bit of an emotional thing there, too. You know? 
So I just I just say that because I just see the whole picture here. I see it, it unfolding, and I'm like, trying to understand who Jesus is, you kind of sympathize with him here as well. But Jesus is so smart that he takes the moment, I think this is important, he takes this moment in love to teach. Mm-hmm. Like So that's where what you were saying applies. He takes the situation where he is being hurt, instead of sulking in it and crying about it, he takes it a moment, a moment and makes it a teaching moment, like what Daniel was talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus is really awesome, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, too, just, just kind of to finish up, it, it just made me think about um, Jesus talking about his family being the people that you know live in the way of God. And I, I think that that can be one of the hardest things when you become a believer and you have a lot of family members and friends and people that are close with you that don't understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, because they don't, I, one of the things that really helps us to understand that is when the Spirit is in you, you're connected with God and the Holy Spirit, and, and you're able to comprehend these things because the God, because God is moving in you. And if people aren't having that happen in their lives, it is difficult for them. So know that if you are a new believer and you're dealing with that, it, a lot of people go through that. Mm-hmm. But lean on your new family as well through this to get understanding and peace and strength. I see that a lot with money, Brent. Like, <laughs> when, you're, when you're working in ministry... And working in social work and working in a lot of those professions where you help people because you want to help people as a Christian. And, and if you have that particular calling, people judge you for it. Mm-hmm. And like, well, why aren't you in sales? Or why, there's, this, there's this job over here that you can make $60,000 a year. Why aren't you doing that? Mm-hmm. You know, why would you, <laughs> why would you go spend your money, talking about me, you know, or, or the taxpayers' dollars, and get a master's degree in theology? You know, what, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, and people will, people will judge us because of the financial decision. Why are you make, Why are you giving ten percent or fifteen percent to the church? Mm-hmm. What do they do for you? You know, it's, but as a Christian, it's not about what the, what the church does for us. It's about what we could do for the community. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I think a lot of people that aren't Christians can't quite grasp our financial financial decisions. But yeah, we're going to do things to honor God, to to, to love our neighbor, and people aren't going to get it. Mm-hmm. And I think that one thing that you said, Brenda, that was really, I, I really uh, identify with was when I first really kind of came to surrender with Jesus, there was a shift in my friends. And that was hard. I think it was hard for my yeah. friends to understand that I was wanting to live my life in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. And it was nothing against them. I love, I love the guys. I love the guys that I got to know, uh, go to college with and got to build like, you know, spent years of my life with. Uh, but it was just a weird shift because like, my life became totally and radically different. And I just had a different set of standards, a different set of rules, a different way that I lived my life. And But what was really encouraging to me was connecting at a church where people were trying to do the exact same thing. And there was something immediate that happened almost in that bond. As soon as like I would, if you find a good local church community, and I would always recommend find a good local church community because nothing takes away from that because you can... It, we see it a lot at our church in Elevation is that we have such a community, we have such a family bond that comes with people that know Jesus, and we could come from all different walks of life, right. mm-hmm. all different backgrounds, all different uh, whatever it may be, And but we're still, there's something about it. There's something that is unifying about the Holy Spirit, and it, it really, I don't know how else to describe it, except that it's just kind of like a supernatural family experience. Like, I get, I can become so much closer instantly with somebody Whereas it might take years for me to become that close with somebody that's just a friend that that we don't have that same common, uh, I guess, uh, spirit uh, when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Now, I've seen it. I've seen it change a lot of my relationships with people over the years, and you just have to learn that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Really, it is. It's okay. I mean, there are people that have been my best friends for years that it's hard to even have a conversation anymore because they just don't they don't live the life that I live or that we live. And you just don't have as much in common anymore, you know? You don't take joy in the things that you used to, that they still do. Mm-hmm. But, and it's it's painful, and it can be a transition, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. There are seasons in our lives. There are seasons in our lives when people come and go, and there's different reasons for that. Um, some people, I mean, the one of the best things you can do is continue to love them, continue to be their friend, yeah, and hope that they turn to Jesus as well because of the example that they see in you and the light that they see through you and that you're being Jesus, you know, and that let let the Holy Spirit draw them. Let the light let of God the draw joy. them. Yeah. Let mm-hmm. them see joy. Because I think a lot of times it's, people, it's an think, opportunity. people think that Christians are a bunch of, you know, <laughs> like Pharisees, you know? Mm-hmm. 
and, and let let your non Christians see let let your non Christian friends see joy. Mm-hmm. You know, let them see that so they they want a piece of what we have. Because I mean, it is a good thing. It is a joyful thing. Mm-hmm. I think I I know I certainly complain too much, and and I think we need to be a little bit more joyful about what's going on. Sure, because man, we're blessed. Daniel, will you press? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this time. Uh, thank you so much, Jesus, for the amazing example you are of what it means to uh, not only be uh, fully man, but also walk in a way where we are walking in the alignment with God. Um, so, Father, I just pray that we will uh, give us wisdom to learn more from Jesus' life. Uh, help us to follow him in everything that we do. Uh, God, help us to to love people regardless uh, of some of the choices that they have made in their life, but know that there's an opportunity for us all to be a part of one great, amazing family, and that's the family of God. Uh, So, Lord, I just pray that you would give us more opportunities to show that joy, show that love, show uh, exactly who God is to the world. It's, It's amazing that you choose us, broken vessels, to be your billboard to all of humanity that says, come back to God, that you are worth it, and that that uh, you are greatly, greatly loved. Uh, so, Lord, I just pray that we would use that opportunity wherever we are, uh, wherever you have placed us throughout this entire planet. You've given us a plan and a purpose wherever we are to show your love to humanity. So thank you so much for that honor and for that gift. In your name, amen. 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 Thank you, Daniel. <clears throat> um, thank you both for joining joining me in here every week to do this. Um, you know, this it's is fun. kind of our yeah, <laughs> our really small is. little clan, and we really get. This we is really the highlight this. of my week, guys, <laughs> and I, I don't. I mean that in all sincerity. I, I love. I'm sorry for your listeners to hear this, but I love these guys. You know, they're, they're, these are <laughs> we fantastic. Love they're fantastic walrus. human beings. <laughs> the um, yeah. So yeah, just uh, <laughs> so thank you to all of Thank you to, out. Thank you to all of you <laughs> listeners for joining us each each week as well. Uh, continue to share this with everybody if you would. We have a Facebook page if you want to follow us specifically. Um, it's literally just Weekly Impact Podcast. You can find it on Facebook if you search it. Um, but uh, yeah, just stick with us. Uh, I, we've told you before where you can find our reading plan that we're following as a church so you can be with us and not be surprised each week by what chapter we're on when we say it at the beginning uh, you can go to our website for the church here it's uh, www.myelevationcc.org or you can go to our uh, Facebook page as well they're posting it on there now um, and uh, yeah you can just reach out to us if you have any questions as well so anyway um, we hope you have a good week welcome to February welcome to the book of Mark and we will talk to you guys next week bye